This Spiritual Fix. Now presenting Question and Answer Time. Where you can ask us any question. In this bonus episode, we were asked the question if we could please clarify our teachers because a couple different people said that we name drop teachers in our episodes and they don't know who they are and they would like to be more acquainted with them. So we're going to first discuss SN Goinka, who is one of the most important teachers in both of our lives. And would you say that, Chris? Yep. For sure. Yeah. For a very long time. So I'm yep. going to give a little backstory. Neither one of us have met SN Goinka and he's now deceased. So he was born in 1924 in Burma but he is of Indian descent. In 1955, so I guess he was about in his early 20s, he was experiencing deep migraines, terrible migraines. And he was from a wealthy business family. So he was able to afford to travel the world. He went to Sweden, USA. He he scoured the world for the best migraine treatments. And in the end, he couldn't find anything that helped except for morphine. And his doctor told him, if you don't find a solution to these migraines, you're going to become a morphine addict. So, so in 1955, he found Sayagi Ubakin, who in a way is our real teacher because the teachings of SN Goenka are coming from Sayagi Ubakin, who was a Burmese meditator. And Sayagi Ubakin is from the Theravada lineage, which is the oldest and most classical school of Buddhism. Their language that they use is Hindi uh, Pali, which is a classical Indian language, and it is a it is a sect of Buddhism that comes from Sri Lanka, and it is a sect that says we are Buddha taught this. We're going to teach the, the Dhammapada in the exact language of Buddha, and as Buddha taught it. And a lot of people say, and there is a lot of legend saying that this was the purest form that remained intact of what Buddha taught. So you have. Buddhism, which is worship of Buddha. You have lots of sects of Buddhism where yeah. they, people analyze and dissect it. But this is like, as Buddha taught it word for word, they dissect the, the Dhammapada, which is the oral. When, when Buddha died, all of his followers, Arhans, got together and they decided they were going to write down everything that he said so it wouldn't be lost. And they did it in the few, the few days after his death. So this is the Dhammapada text coming from that. Anyways, back to SN Goinka. He meets Sayagi Ubakin in 1955 and says, I've got these terrible migraines. I heard that if I meditate, they'll be fixed. Will you help me? Sayagi Ubakin said, well, you will lose your migraines as a natural byproduct of discovering true truth and liberation, but I'm not going to teach you how to lose your migraines. I'm going to teach you real truth and liberation. If you want it, you got it. So he studied for 14 years under Sayagi, Sayagi Ubakin and... Sayagi Ubakin went on to die in, uh, was born in 1899 and died in 1971. So he was in his 50s or 60s when he was teaching Goenka. After 14 years of studying with Sayagi Ubakin, he was ready to now teach himself. So Goenka started to put on these small meditation retreats in his home, which lasted 10 days. Um, Sayagi Ubakin had formulated a 10-day meditation course himself in Burma, Myanmar to be exact. And Goenka decided to start creating these 10-day meditation retreats. They started off as family. They extended through word of mouth. And slowly and slowly, he brought it back to India, where it has it grew in popularity. And in 1971, they created the Dhammagiri, which was a big Vipassana meditation center in Igatpuri. And I did a course there. I think I did my third course in Igatpuri. And there are now 
341 Vipassana locations across the world. 202 are permanent centers. The other 130 are like pop-up centers, which I've also done where they like rent a camp space out. They are found in 94 countries and they teach 120,000 people per year this technique of Vipassana coming from Sayagyobakin, coming from Buddha. What's interesting is that there was an old, an old legend, which was that someone from an Indian would be reacquainted with this original technique and take it from Burma to India and spread it throughout the land. And Goenka is not a superstitious person. He's a very realist kind of man. He says, it's a legend and it's silly. And yet it somehow kind of fits in that I fulfilled that legend in a way. Uh, he's spoken at the World Economic Forum, the World Peace Summit, the United Nations Forum. And one of another great way you can see Goenka live is um, some YouTube videos, which I will link in the show notes, but also in a great documentary called Doing Time, Doing Vipassana, where they bring Vipassana to the Tihar jails of India. So that is a little background on Goenka. Essentially, he is a teacher that we've had through Vipassana meditation that we've only witnessed through videos and audios. Not We've never met him in person, but he's had a huge impact on our lives. So Christina, tell me why Goenka is probably one of your most important teachers. So yeah. I got into a relationship with a New Zealander right out of college, which is a whole story in and of itself. But I decided to move after dating him for about, or being friends with him and dating him for about six months and hearing a lot of his stories about his spiritual practices and like his experiences getting and talking to monks because there was a Thai monastery near where he lived in New Zealand and how he basically cured himself where his cancer went into remission because he was meditating all the time and talking to monks. I just got totally hooked. And one of the stories he told me was that he had gone to California to visit the main monk that was in charge of basically the, the, the Thai monastery in New Zealand. It was the, the head monk. And during that visit, he went to a talk at a local university in San Diego, I believe, because this, the main monastery is in Escondido, California. And dur- he, the talk was Esengoenka. So because he was with a group of monks, he got to go and visit S.N. Goenka. And the story he told me was that, was that Goenka was the real deal. Like that he had met a lot of spiritual people and a lot of people claiming to be spiritual, but that Goenka had this aura and presence and truth about him that he had rarely met in another human being. And that was enough to convince me that I wanted Goenka to be my teacher. So when I ended up moving to New Zealand, I went and within the first two months I had signed up for a course and I went there and I was supposed to go with my boyfriend, but he had a death in the family, so he couldn't come. So I had to go all by myself in the New Zealand place. The New Zealand campus is beautiful. And I was scared to death at first. And I remember the first time I heard Goenka's voice, I started laughing because the first thing that you ever hear... (laughs) First thing you ever hear going, I feel like we should just link that specific intro because I actually have his his sitting. Um, but he starts chanting, and the yeah, chanting, the chanting is it's a little it's jarring intense. if you don't know to expect it um, because he's like, and you're just like, 
Yeah, oh, he's shit. Hanson Polly, <laughs> and he has a very deep voice. Very and deep he's voice. also doing a specific thing that takes years of training to do, which is to chant in certain ways with your vocal cords with that, like, harmonics. only the Tibetan monks can do. Like, he's using different bravados that, like, other people just can't do. And it's just kind of it's kind of, it makes me laugh. Like if you're from the West and you've never heard that, that before, it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't so, mean to be funny, but it, no, but I laughed as well. No, but then having gone into the, I was by the fifth day I was there first three days, really, really rough. Four days, really, really rough. By the time I got to the fifth or sixth day, I was literally like, I want to become a nun. I never want to stop meditating because the, vo- the the things that he was teaching every single night, he would give discourses, the way that the, the Vipassana is structured is that he gives discourses at the, at the end of the night. And I would literally just like wrap up in my little blanket, having meditated for 10 hours that day and just like eat up every single word that he was saying, because I felt like I was living a new life, right? Like I felt like I was just like, I felt free. I felt like I was where I was supposed to be. I felt everything. And I, I was so grateful to him every single day for providing this, for, for teaching me this, for making these centers so that I could come here and I could meditate and I could actually feel normal for the first time in my life, feel like I was doing what I was supposed to do for the first time in my life, that I was just so grateful, like, and I will forever be like the sound of his voice. They do studies of strong determination at Vipassana where you sit and you're not supposed to move a muscle for an hour. And it sounds terrible. And it can be terrible, but it's actually really good because you can get into super deep meditative states, um, depending or not, but that's fine. His voice comes in at the end and that's how you know the time is up. And oh my God, the sound of his voice at the end of those meditations was like pure (laughs) honey bliss because I was just like, oh my God, I did it. It's just so amazing. And it was such a soothing, soothing voice because he's giving you loving meditation. He's giving you meta at the end of these things that it's just amazing. So that's me going on about going good so much. What about you, Anna? Well, I also, I did my first course in Nepal. Similarly, an ex-boyfriend led me there. We were in a motorcycle accident. We were motorcycling our way through the Himalayas and we had an accident and he broke his hand. So we had to ship his motorcycle back, back to India. Cause we were now in Nepal and we were like stuck. And the hospital is like, you know, you can't move, you take your hand out of this cast for X amount of days. And he's like, well, let's just, he's like, look, it was like, let's say it was like a Saturday. He was like, it's Saturday. We got three weeks till I have my doctor's checkup. What are we going to do in Nepal for three weeks? I know let's go do a Vipassana to course. And I'm like, what's that? He's like, Oh, I've done them. They're great. Let's look online and see if there's any coming up. So we looked and there's one that started tomorrow. So I literally had 24 hours, like between the time I even heard about the retreats to the time that I was signed up and ready to go, like 24 hours had passed. I was like, what is it? He's like, it's 10 days of silence. We're going to be separate because the men and women aren't supposed to interact with each other. And there's really good food. That's, That's pretty much all I knew about it going in. I was like, really good food? 10 days of meditation? This sounds awesome. So we go, we sign up, we get there. Um... The first thing I do is when I hear his voice, I just lose it and I just start cracking up. And I, I'm, I, you know, I'm supposed to have my eyes closed and I have my eyes open looking around the room. Is like anyone else like laughing? And yeah, sure enough, some other Westerners from Europe were like, you know, chuckling under their breath because we're like, what the hell is this? What, what have we got ourselves into? And then, like Chris said, by, by, for me, it was like sooner. It was like by the second or third day, I was just like, this is where I need to be. Everything he's saying, 
is putting life into it, making sense of life in a way that I need, that totally makes sense, totally had total integrity. The center is run only by donations and it is only propagated through word of mouth. There's just like so much integrity into it. Everyone working there is a volunteer. The food was delicious. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. And I did it in the hills of Nepal where there were monkeys. And because everyone's in silence, there was monkeys that would like come up to you because they were so used, they were, there was no, everyone's not talking and there's no cars and no one's speaking. So the monkeys felt very safe in our presence. So it was so funny because we'd finish these meditation things and we'd come outside and baby monkeys would get stuck in people's skirts or I'd be washing my laundry in silence and think a woman had sat down next to me washing her laundry. And I look and it's a freaking huge baboon monkey like right next to me. So that has nothing to do with Vipassana, but my first Vipassana course has a lot of memories of monkeys. That's amazing. <laughs> totally unrelated. That's amazing. I had, I had one yeah. with peacocks like that. The moral of the story is that when we discuss SN Goenka, we are discussing the lineage of Sayagi Ubakin going back to Buddha in its most quote unquote purest form of the Dhammapada, which is a very realistic, hardworking, workist, realist approach to Buddhism. There is no religion in it. There is no worship in it. There is a lot of you. This is, this is my favorite quote of Goenka you have to work out your own salvation. Like there's no skirting around it. There's no avoiding it. You have to go right through, you have to go right through your own house to make sense of the world and to purify your mind, your heart, and your soul. And in doing so, you come out on the other end more grounded and more happy. So that's who we're talking about when we talk about SN Goenka. Wonderful. So if somebody is interested in becoming a student of SN Goenka, of doing Vipassana, I, I will say really quickly, and you probably already did this stat, there looks to be about 10 now permanent sites in America, if you're listening in America. There are f- three in California. There's a bunch in the Northeast. There's one in Georgia by the coast, yep. one in Texas, one in Illinois, one in Minnesota, one in Washington. With the pandemic, things are a little bit more difficult. Do you want to talk more about um, how people can do Vipassana? I think that they're maybe not accepting- In a pandemic, I'm not quite sure. I think they're not accepting new students because I wanted Luke to go and they can't do that yet. So not yet are new students allowed to I've heard if you're an old student, you can do virtual. But they are doing- Old students are allowed to do virtual at this point, but they're not yet accepting new people. And it might change. It might change every day. Maybe some centers are allowing COVID testing. We don't know. But if it is something you want to do, it's awesome. And you might want to get on a wait list a couple months in advance because they do fill up. Yes. They have become increasingly popular and hard to get spots on. The women's usually um, fills up faster than the men's sides, but they're definitely worth it if you're able to get in there. So, yeah. And trust me, it's always going to be good food. (laughs) All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anna. Thank you for talking about Goenka. And we encourage you all to read about him. There's also the book, The Art of Living, which is from the Vipassana Press, which I actually read before I went to a Vipassana course. And I have a copy of it. So that is also, it's not the same as taking a course. It requires the 10 days to get into the practice and to really be able to to get deep enough so that you can do then go out and practice it on your own and do the DIY. If you are interested and you can't get into a course, The Art of Living is a great book um, to kind of understand the philosophy um, behind the actual practice itself. So, yeah. And we'll link everything in the show notes. So thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.
follow us on Instagram. This.spiritual.fix. Be sure to like and subscribe on Apple or wherever you get your podcast too. It helps people find us. And remember, humility, gratitude, acceptance, done. Let me tell y'all a riddle. There are four girls and four apples in a basket. Every girl takes an apple, yet one apple remains in the basket. How is this possible? The answer, one girl took the basket. She took the last apple while it was in the basket. Sometimes all it takes is a perspective shift. This is my specialty, y'all, and I am opening up two spots in the next two months for dedicated journeyers to work with me to find peace, purpose, and most importantly, perspective. In these journeys, we co-create a curriculum that suits your current blocks, goals, and needs, and we use all the tools, shadow work, books, fiction, remote viewing, intuition, meditation, guided journeys, energy healing, dreaming techniques, you name it, we do it, and all to achieve a commonly held set of objectives. And if you're interested in hearing more, Book a free call with me at www.chriswilty.com forward slash discover.